Proverbs. And uh, if you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, there are men coming up the aisles right now with Bibles, and just flag them. They'll get one in your hand so you can hear the Word, but read it for yourself. Never trust me, for, that's for sure. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, make that Bible a gift from the Lord to you today. And uh, also a reminder, on Sunday nights, we do go through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and we'll be continue our study in the book of Acts this evening at 6 o'clock. Each of you are invited. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1. My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you've shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, you're snared by the words of your mouth, you're taken by the words of your mouth, and do this, so do this, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we remember that part of our body that is in Peru right now and finishing up this wonderful, wonderful missions trip of a health clinic and vacation Bible school for kids down in that wonderful part of the world and then this construction project. And we pray today that you keep them safe, you keep them healthy, you give them supernatural wisdom and strength for all the things that they're doing and to finish up in these final couple of days all of the things that we know they desire to. We thank you this morning for the blessing of being able to turn to your word. We thank you that you're a speaking God and we want to be a listening people. And so give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to speak to us specifically from the passages that we'll look at this morning. And we pray, Lord, for this work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. This morning in our topical series through the book of Proverbs entitled uh, Timeless Truth, uh, we come to a, a section or a subject this morning that is uh, no kind of uh, book or uh, something that claims to provide mankind with wisdom would be uh, complete without addressing the subject of uh, money. And uh, we can so often think of money only in terms of uh, giving to God, but it's uh, so, such a, a much larger part of our life than that. And so in this series, as we're learning about how to uh, live a life that blesses God, that blesses our uh, neighbor, and then a life that is a blessing to us and the nitty-gritty of this world, we come to this important subject of wealth or money. I've entitled the message, uh, Money Matters, because we're going to be dealing with uh, the subject of money, and, uh, but also acknowledging, so it, it's going to be Money Matters, but also with uh, maybe the inflection of Money Matters uh, also, because uh, money does matter. It matters to God. It matters to us a great deal uh, in, in life, and uh, it's a huge part of our life. It has the potential to make our life uh, a blessing as God intends it to be, 
also has a, a threat of being a curse, to really be a threat to our well-being and the quality of our life that we live. And, uh, and so we need God's instruction concerning it uh, in order that we can be operating in that area of our life knowing that this area of my life is under God's wisdom, it's under His instruction, and so uh, enjoy the peace and the joy that comes with, and the confidence that comes with knowing that about this area of our lives. Uh, recent research shows that the average American worries about their finances six times a day. Now, some of you may be surprised that, by that, only in the sense that you say, only six times a day. So, uh, the same polling indicates that the average American spends 104 hours a year sorting out their finances between uh, organizing things and paying bills and, uh, and uh, checking their account balances and all this kind of thing. The average uh, uh, adult spends almost the equivalent of an entire year of our life uh, worrying about money over our lifetime and uh, with more than a quarter admitting it's bad uh, for their health. And so uh, anything that we are investing uh, an, an entire year of our life in, uh, in the course of a lifetime, is something, and more, is something that we certainly want to uh, have God's instruction concerning that. All of this isn't unique to the United States. Recent study found that citizens of Great Britain think about their finances four times a day, uh, but uh, they give uh, sufficient time to that, uh, that consideration for a total of 28 minutes a day. And so they're on the same track of being, spending an hour or a year of their life in, in thinking about the same things that we do. And so we know this about ourselves. Uh, you, you know, in all of these surveys you can find, uh, you say, well, what's the flaw in it and all of this? But I think we all know our hearts well enough uh, to realize that however close the, the statistics are, the polling and all of this is, uh, that it, this isn't very far from the truth concerning our lives. And, and we can suspect that all of the peoples of the world are very much like us, and so uh, that polling wouldn't be uh, very different. And so we need this timeless wisdom uh, and instruction on this important part of our life. And so Solomon is faithful by the Holy Spirit to uh, provide it to us. Uh, money is one of the most emphasized themes in uh, the book of Proverbs. And again, because wealth can be, and, and think of wealth, as I use the word in, in terms of money, uh, wealth can be a, a great blessing in our life, but again, it can be a great curse. And it is God's wisdom concerning uh, how we view it and how we handle it that makes the difference between it being a curse in our life and being the blessing that God wants it to be. And so we just want to allow these truths that we're going to look at today, we'll move very rapidly through a lot of passages, just to allow them to um, inform us in this area of, of our life, uh, to affirm uh, where we've got it right in our attitude and our practice, uh, and then also to correct where 
uh, we're off base on how we view it and, and how we uh, handle money and how God wants it to be. So it's, it, 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 these verses that we'll look at, there's, there's the potential to really, I mean, any of them are worthy of their own, own sermon, but the Proverbs are kind of hard-hitting, fast, terse uh, statements that are just kind of check us one after the other. And so as we go through this uh, sermon and through these passages, to just look at it that way, to say, okay, in terms of my life, uh, check, 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 ooh, ooh, um, check, ooh, and, uh, and to look at it in terms of just uh, uh, informing us and affirming and correcting as needed here uh, this morning. We'll move right along. I'll mention the passages, but I won't have you turn to them. Uh, you might just want to jot them down if that's something that you like to do. So in our culture where, of course, uh, money, where materialism is, uh, is elevated above all else, uh, in our culture, in the United States uh, of America, what we, where we want to begin here this morning, and Solomon is very, very keen uh, to bring this out in his instruction concerning money, and that is, what are the things in life that are uh, more valuable or more important than money? Well, he tells us that wisdom or being wise is more important than just merely being rich or more valuable than money. Proverbs chapter 16, uh, verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. And so uh, no amount of money in the world can uh, compares to the value of having God's uh, wisdom and in his instruction on how uh, to live and then to obey that uh, instruction. And so no one lives, uh, who lives a life uh, without God's wisdom uh, lives a truly rich life. And a rich life and money can be two entirely uh, different things. The second thing that Solomon tells us in this regard is that a person who is kind and honest is far wealthier than a person uh, who possesses great wealth and yet lacks those characters of kindness and honesty in their life. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 22, what is desired is a, in a man is kindness, and the poor man is better than uh, a liar. He goes on further to declare that having a good reputation, having a good name, is more valuable in life uh, than any amount of money. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than uh, silver and gold. And so what good is great wealth? Uh, if everyone around us has no respect for us, or our, if our reputation is no good uh, before uh, people, uh, the very thought of us is kind of a curse in their, uh, their minds. True wealth uh, in life is not measured supremely in dollars and cents, but in the number of people who love us and who respect us in uh, life. So here we are, we're going through, check, check, check. 
He goes on further and declares our personal integrity, that is living a life that is morally upright, is more valuable uh, than money. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 6. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. And that same vein, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 8, better is a little with righteousness than vast uh, revenues without uh, justice. No person who wakes up every morning uh, knowing that they are a dishonest person and knows that they are using and have used their wealth to cheat other people or to, to lie or to take advantage of other people is a, a, a truly rich person on any meaningful uh, level. Now, in this same vein, uh, Solomon is also very careful to remind us from the book of Proverbs uh, of the things in life, not only what is more valuable in life than wealth, which we've seen, but now of the things that money cannot buy in life. Uh, he tells us that it cannot buy peace uh, because it cannot buy security because uh, peace and security in life is, can only be experienced when the source of our peace and security is greater than every threat to it in this uh, world. And so there's no amount of money that can provide a hedge uh, in this world. Only God can. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. And so we've all heard the old saying uh, that money talks, and we know that it does, uh, because every month it tells us, bye-bye. And, uh, and, and, and because it is insecure itself, money is, it cannot provide ultimate security to us, the kind of security and, uh, that we crave in life and that we need in life in a fallen world. And so Solomon, he does speak candidly throughout the book of Proverbs of the fact that wealth can provide a measure of margins uh, in, in terms of uh, the, against the blows of life. And he, in, uh, in fact, he, uh, recommends and commends saving money for those kind of events in life, as we'll see in a moment. But also, he tells us not to overwork or to work ourselves to death in trying to provide a financial hedge in our life against every uh, conceivable threat uh, to us, since money cannot provide that. And so, uh, where then... Uh, is this financial security to be found that we all uh, crave in life? And uh, Paul wrote to Timothy and he encapsulated it in uh, just a handful of words. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. The only truly rich person 
The only true secure person in life is the person who uh, has a relationship with God and then is content with what God brings into our lives out of his wisdom, his power, and love is a part of that relationship. And Paul says that is the truly secure and the truly rich person uh, in, in life. Solomon also tells us that money cannot buy satisfaction in life. It cannot fill uh, this ultimate uh, emptiness that everybody feels uh, in our lives. It cannot supply ultimate meaning uh, to our lives. And since, uh, as the Bible teaches, we have been created as human beings uh, for relationship with God, it is only when we are in that relationship with God that we will have a sense of fulfillment or contentment or that we are engaged in the very thing that I have been uh, created for. And, and it is that relationship with God that brings that contentment and satisfaction into our lives. Uh, money cannot do it. And, uh, and uh, great wealth, in fact, the Bible teaches can really lengthen the time in a person's life that it takes them uh, uh, for them to come to realize uh, that I have a hole in my heart. I have a need in my heart, an emptiness in my heart uh, that money obviously cannot fulfill. And uh, so sometimes when we are born into the world, we live our life with uh, small, far smaller uh, margins financially in our life. We come to realize that very quickly because our options, uh, the options that money gives to us are fewer in terms of trying to explore. If I get that, I'll finally be satisfied. If I get that, I'll finally be satisfied. But when you're very, very wealthy, the number of things that you can afford to try and find satisfaction in becomes almost limitless. And so the person with wealth, this can become a very long uh, journey uh, to come to face that fact. And if we need any proof in the Bible related to that, uh, Solomon is a prime example of it. Uh, the entire book of Ecclesiastes uh, explores his journey and drives home that point and a long journey to come to realize the limitations of money in terms of ultimate satisfaction. He tells us further that it can't, money can't buy uh, deep, meaningful friends or loyal friends or relationships uh, in life. Um, most of us remember uh, the Beatles singing, I don't care too much for money, money can't buy me love. And there's an element of truth in what uh, they, they said there. Uh, how much they didn't care about money, I don't know about that. But uh, they did recognize that it, it can't buy uh, love. One of the problems with money is that it, is a, uh, it complicates relationships. Uh, it complicates relationships in a way 
that a poor person's relationships are not complicated. When we're poor, our friends are simply our friends. They just like us for little old us because we don't have any more money than they have. And that's why people that become wealthy in life later on, they go back to their hometowns and back to their friends that prove themselves to be friends long before wealth came in to now complicate the assessment of friendship uh, in our lives. Solomon writes of this in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 6. He said, many entreat the favor of the, of the nobility, and every uh, man is a friend to one who gives uh, gifts. And it complicates things and that you never know quite uh, who likes you or is your friend for just little old you uh, or what it is that you, uh, that you have. Uh, most importantly, Solomon tells us, is that money cannot buy uh, salvation. Wealth is one day going to be worthless on the day of judgment. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 4. Riches do not profit on the day of wrath, of the day of, uh, of judgment, but righteousness delivers from death. In other words, uh, that money cannot uh, buy deliverance in the day of judgment. Only a faith in Jesus Christ provides us with a safety and a salvation from judgment uh, in the life that follows uh, this one. And only a faith in Christ that's demonstrated in a righteous life uh, can do that. Solomon wrote as well, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 7, when a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish, and the hope of the unjust uh, perishes. And so the wicked man's, not only does all of uh, his wealth disappear in a moment, at the moment uh, of death, uh, the old joke about you never see a, a U-Haul being towed behind a hearse on the way to a, a, a graveyard. Everybody, one of us is going to leave everything behind uh, in the moment of the rapture, the moment of our, our death. And so at that moment of death, the wicked man's plans and hopes, they, they perish. But for us as Christians, uh, our greatest plans, our greatest hopes in life are, are just uh, beginning because our plans and our hope are in uh, God. Jesus declared, for what shall it profit a man if he gains the entire world and loses his own soul? Think about owning the entire world. And every time I read that verse, there's a, um, there's a picture that comes up in in my mind, and you just think about how big the world is, how vast the cities, the wealth, the, you know, I mean, just amazing. And I, I always think, I've never been there, but I always think about those villages that I see on the, uh, the coast of Italy where they just build these houses right up along uh, the bay or the harbor, and you say, how in the world do they uh, even get to the front door, and yet there's passageways and the view that they have and the beauty of it. But if you, if you had, if you own the entire world, uh, as Jesus declares, uh, a, a person's soul 
is more valuable than the entire world. How about that? Is that little old me, my soul? Yes. If a person were to exchange and give their soul for all of the wealth and the entire world itself, Jesus said you, that person will have made a terrible decision. Financial decision, eternal uh, decision. And a person who loses their own soul in the quest for money is someone, Jesus said, uh, who will one day be, uh, reveal himself to be uh, just the worst appraiser of true wealth uh, possible. He, he, Solomon goes on and, and he speaks in the book of Proverbs. How are we doing? We check, doing a checklist going through? Uh, and Solomon instructs us about avoiding debt. Uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Uh, Paul picks this up by the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love uh, one another. And so uh, the subject of debt is uh, vitally important for us to understand what the Bible says about it because as a culture and as a nation, uh, we have become not only very comfortable with debt, uh, but we have uh, 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 come to uh, view it as, uh, 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 fail to view it as the danger for, uh, for what it is. We are encumbered as a, a nation with uh, staggering amounts of, of personal uh, debt. Some uh, uh, important uh, principles concerning debt. Uh, the Bible does not strictly prohibit uh, borrowing money. I know that's the position of many uh, Christians, but uh, lending and borrowing was uh, common in the Old Testament, uh, complete with the charging of interest. But interest was never to be charged by a Jew toward another Jew, and no one was to charge interest of someone who was poor. And, uh, and even if a loan was made to a Gentile, the interest rate was not to be exorbitant. All of this was uh, condemned and instruction given in the law of Moses related to that. And I, I, I would guess that most Christians uh, would uh, not consider uh, themselves to be in debt if uh, our assets uh, outweigh uh, the, the level of our liability and, uh, or we have a secure means of repaying whatever debt we've, we've incurred. Also, I would guess that most people would uh, differentiate between a, a debt that is incurred related to uh, buying a home with a sufficient down payment for market fluctuations uh, or a debt that is inc incurred in order that someone might be able to be trained for a vocation 
that they want to be trained in to become a surgeon, to become a doctor, to become uh, an engineer, to become uh, a nurse, and these kind of jobs where there is a a ready marketability for that that kind of person who is trained that way, Uh, uh, not only one job is waiting for them, but as many jobs as they want uh, is is waiting uh, for them. Opportunities to repay the debt are plentiful and uh, they're high paying. Most people would see that as a little bit different uh, than racking up uh, a huge, say, student loan uh, for a degree in theater arts or in uh, art history. Uh, We'll see you, (laughs) I don't know where in life, but there aren't a lot of positions uh, for that. And and so because there's so many individual scenarios related to uh, debt, I certainly wouldn't be comfortable declaring that God condemns all of it because I don't think that's what the Bible uh, teaches. So each Christian has to uh, seek the Lord individually and uh, His will concerning the incurring of any debt. But it certainly teaches us that we are not to incur debt in this kind of mindless, needless way uh, that our culture does and uh, that people do because we become a servant uh, to the lender. Again, and the borrower is servant to the lender. All debt is an obligation to someone else. And all debt exists in my life at the expense of my freedom. All debt exists in my life at the expense of my, uh, my freedom. And uh, I have known uh, those who felt they were called by God to become missionaries or pastors, and they could not enter into that calling at the time that they felt God was calling them uh, because of the level of their personal debt uh, until all of that was resolved. Of course, uh, most people are uh, very hesitant to support a missionary who uh, puts out their budget uh, for heading out in the mission field and a a significant part of their expenses is repaying debt. Most people will say, no, repay your debt and and then uh, learn the lessons that are learned there and then go to the mission field. The same thing is true of pastors. Uh, Most churches won't and most churches can't uh, take on a pastor who is uh, needing their salary to reflect a, uh, the servicing of, of debt uh, in their lives. And so it's not just true of them in terms of God's call upon their lives, but uh, it's true of every person. It, done, it, it, it exists in my life at the expense of freedom, and it denies me the full independence in life, the full independence to obey God uh, that... Uh, uh, that God wants uh, each of us to have. And so we should live within our means, uh, cut off any kind of unnecessary uh, expenses that are uh, leading to debt in our lives. And certainly we shouldn't incur debt to uh, uh, bring or to purchase uh, something that is a pure luxury. No luxury in life is worth losing personal uh, freedom uh, over. Solomon also instructs us to honor God with our wealth. 
uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. And so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. There's a lot that could be said about the area of giving to God, and, uh, but it's enough to say that uh, Solomon declares to us here, it's taught throughout the entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, that we are to give to God uh, as, as the Bible requires, as a, a, a continual expression uh, of the fact that I recognize that everything that I have uh, has been given to me by God and belongs to Him. And so when I give to God, there's that acknowledgement. Lord, this, among other things, as Pastor Paul prayed for the, the offering here this morning, but there's many things that go through our mind, but one of them is, Lord, this is an acknowledgement that all that I have, you have given me, and you've asked me to acknowledge that in, in giving a portion uh, back to uh, you. And I don't think any Christian uh, recognizes that uh, all that we have uh, it, it belongs to God and He has supplied it to us if we have a problem in giving to God as He calls us to. Uh, we only have a problem with giving uh, to the degree that we view uh, everything as being our own or everything in our life is being uh, the product of our own ingenuity or our own hard work. And uh, God knows how to bring a wake-up call into our lives to bring us out of that illusion, and we don't want that wake-up call. And, and so uh, the, the importance of acknowledging God in this way. Jesus taught that it also keeps us heavenly-minded and heavenly-hearted. I don't know that there's any Christian in the world that would say, I am sufficiently heavenly-minded and uh, heavenly-hearted. So this is one more way for that to happen. He said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's just take a a moment here and just a a deep inhale of a breath. Jack LaLanne, a little thing here, spiritually speaking. And uh, for any of you, whatever portion of the congregation today, uh, uh, you're zoning at this point and no longer applying this to our lives. We just give you a chance to regroup and um, wait a second, the Lord's giving me some names. And um, so just sit tight here. Solomon goes on to declare the importance of taking charge of our, uh, of our finances in our life. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing, the goats the price of a field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. And so this is just a poetic way of saying, stay on top of your finances. 
and make sure that you have a clear and current understanding and <clears throat> assessment of, uh, of uh, those resources, what's coming in and what's going out. It's a, it, it, this passage, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23, is a very poetic way of saying, get a budget. Get on a budget. Know what's coming in, know what's going out, know where it's going, and be in control uh, of all of that. Uh, someone has said a budget is uh, telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And uh, that's very true. Solomon uh, declares further uh, that we're not to spend every single money, uh, dollar that we make, but to make a point of saving some uh, of it as we're able. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Uh, consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food uh, in the harvest. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but the foolish man squanders it. In other words, a wise person uh, has these extras in their life, but they don't eat them and drink them in one setting <laughs> or sitting and, uh, and, and squander, uh, squanders it. And so, of course, a person uh, can have just enough money in life uh, to get by, just enough money for uh, the necessities in life. We all understand that. We're all either there or we've been there in our, in our uh, lives. Uh, where saving is impossible. But Solomon is addressing something different here. And that is the tendency to be making more money than is required for the necessities in life and to spend every dime of it with no thought at all for the future. Whether that future is a month away and a need that's going to arise or whether that future is decades uh, away. No thought to saving a portion of it, uh, no thought to making saving uh, some money a, a, a priority in our financial decisions, and no thought to the rainy day that will come to each and every one of our lives. We see this plainly before us all of the time, uh, most uh, uh, overtly because the newspapers and the magazines and media on television aren't going to talk about seeing this in the average person as it, as it exists in our lives that nobody knows. Uh, but when this kind of thing occurs in a, a famous athlete or a famous entertainer where they have made millions, tens of millions, uh, in the case of some hundreds of millions of dollars in the course of their uh, lifetime, and they spend all of it in the moment, gave no thought to the future, and they end up absolutely broke and, and uh, destitute. And uh, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 17, he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. There's an old Swedish proverb that captures uh, Solomon's counsel very well. So just a nod to you Swedes today, in case I lost any of you, bringing you back. They've mentioned, he's mentioned Swedes in the sermon. 
Well, the proverb goes like this. He who buys what he does not need steals from himself. And that is that we steal from the person that we will be at 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 uh, and uh, beyond. Solomon also, in the passage that we began with here in our reading, uh, he strongly warns against becoming surety for another person's debt there in Proverbs chapter uh, 6, verses 1 through 5. I won't read it again. Um, Surety is to make myself liable for someone else's debt in case they are unable to pay uh, that debt. It's to co-sign on someone else's loan uh, if we do not have the ability or possess the wealth to cover that loan comfortably uh, ourselves. Uh, if, If the defaulting of the person on that loan would then lead to my own financial ruin, and, the, and that financial ruin then extending into my uh, household, into my marriage, into my family, then he says, do not uh, become a surety or cosign on that kind of loan. Remember in the ancient world, when someone went bankrupt, um, uh, they didn't file for bankruptcy uh, to somehow protect themselves uh, for a while. Uh, If you went bankrupt in the ancient world, you became a slave. And you became a slave to another person until you uh, worked that that debt off and, uh, and to be sold into that slavery. Everything you own, your home, your livestock, your business, Uh, would be sold, and if that wasn't enough, uh, then you'd be sold into slavery to work uh, off the debt. And so Solomon says, don't put yourself in that kind of a place. And he warns uh, anyone who puts themselves uh, of us that uh, into that kind of financial vulnerability uh, to do, if we've done that, to do everything that we can to extricate ourselves uh, from the obligation. The language is very strong in the passage. He says, swallow your pride, humble yourself, uh, get down uh, at the feet of the person that you entered into this, uh, this uh, debt to and, uh, and beg them to please release you. Uh, The phrases in the passage, uh, you've shaken hands, literally the striking of the hands, the phrase, uh, the words of your mouth, uh, it seems to warn against a rash decision, a quick, uh, ill-considered, emotional, uh, prayerless uh, decision. And so the proverb is especially important uh, to understand for those of us who feel guilty if we say no to somebody in this regard or concerning uh, money, or we have a very strong and unhealthy desire that everyone uh, would uh, like us. And, um, and, and, uh, and these things can, can make us prone to making these kinds of foolish decisions. Some people are very, very laid back in their finances, and they're too easygoing for their own good in this 
this regard. And so even if a person has the ability to absorb the loss in, in a cosine or in a, in a surety, um, that decision still needs to be, for a Christian, still needs to be a prayerful decision. It still needs to be one where we would look at it and say, this is a worthy expenditure. This is a worthy uh, thing in order to, uh, to uh, get myself uh, involved in. And so uh, to have the wealth, to be able to co-sign in this way, it's a tremendous responsibility. And, and, um, and we have to be careful related to it because we can be helping people uh, get into something that is not God's will for their lives, perhaps. We can financially allow them to bypass God in, in this situation in their life. We can be, assist them to take on significant debt that God may not want them to take on. It is certainly a way <clears throat> to destroy uh, family relationships and to destroy uh, friendships and those kind of relationships. There's nothing quite like money for its ability to destroy valuable relationships in life. And so having the financial resources to, to co-sign is a great responsibility. Just because we can do it doesn't mean that we should do it. And, um, and some of us really, really need to um, hear that. And uh, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's necessary. Uh, almost all of us that have children required us co-signing something early on in their life, their first job or whatever it was, in order for them to gain some kind of a, a credit history and uh, to even be able to, uh, you know, cash a check in, in, uh, in, in the culture. And so it's just good uh, practical uh, wisdom for our protection and the protection of others. I'll never forget, it was uh, many years ago where a woman I didn't know at all came up to me. She was attending the church and uh, had just begun to attend the church and she caught me at the back door after a Sunday morning service and um, she asked me if I would co-sign a loan for how she was buying. And um, you'd be amazed at what happens at that back door. <laughs> and I, I, safely, uh, I safely delivered myself uh, by means of this uh, passage in the Bible. Solomon also tells us to be uh, generous with our wealth. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. Uh, he, uh, there is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. And so from one end of the Bible to the other, generosity toward people uh, is uh, commended. Uh, there's no way in the world we can be like God without being uh, generous in, in life. Uh, the Bible tells us concerning God in this regard in each of our lives as Christians that He richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. So, so how, how in the world, we might think, how in the world does generosity result in increase? It doesn't make any sense that generosity is going to result in increase. 
And the reason that it does is because God makes sure of it. God makes sure of it in a, in, in a person's uh, life. He notices generous people and he blesses generous people. Jesus taught, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measured, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, uh, you use it will be uh, measured back to you. And you would think that stinginess uh, would result in, in uh, uh, lead to more uh, wealth and to more period, but it doesn't. Because God will always keep a person who is generous and, and, and keep that them who see themselves as a, a channel of God's blessing in this way. He will always keep that uh, person supplied in order to do so. Let me just close here for a moment. And um, if I was wise, I would just finish the sermon uh, right here. But I've, I've never been wise. And uh, not in terms of the length of sermons, at least. But uh, very, very briefly, just a handful of things that God warns uh, us, uh, those that have wealth, to be careful concerning. And uh, let's not dismiss them as saying, well, that doesn't apply to us. That applies to the w only to the wealthy, and I'm not wealthy. We are wealthy by all comparative standards in terms of the whole wide world, no matter who we are sitting in this room. Uh, today in this, uh, in this country. Solomon warns uh, us uh, concerning pride, thinking that our wealth somehow makes us wiser than uh, other uh, people. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 11, the rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding searches him uh, out. And so, Wealth uh, uh, tells us a lot of lies, and uh, uh, one of them is that uh, because uh, they're wealthy, that it must mean that they're smarter, a person is smarter, or wiser, or better than those who have less than they have. And so, uh, these are not the marks of a wise person, uh, they're the marks of pride and arrogance and self-deception. The poor man who has understanding that he contrasts with the, the rich man who thinks he is better than other people because of his riches, the poor man who has understanding, uh, as Solomon describes him, realizes that wealth alone doesn't make a person wiser or superior to others. You say, how in the world can a rich, how can the world can a poor man know that? He knows it because he's poor. And, and he's around a lot of other poor people as a result, and he knows many, many poor people who are far wiser uh, than many rich people. And so the poor person isn't fooled at all, by and large, uh, into thinking that this kind of thing just naturally makes a person wiser or better uh, than others. And so the poor person is always aware of it. The rich person loses sight of it, and so Solomon reminds them. Second, Solomon warns the rich against treating those uh, who are in a lower uh, income bracket than us uh, poorly. And th this is where pride uh, 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 inevitably it goes. If I view people as inferior to me on, on the basis of, of, of money, then the next step in the pride progression is to treat them as inferior 
uh, to me. And so Solomon declares concerning this, uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 2, uh, the rich and the poor have this in common, the Lord is the maker of them all. And here's the reminder to the wealthy, to the rich, that the poor uh, are created in the image of God every bit as much as a rich person, and uh, they are uh, equal in God's eyes uh, to any, uh, as any other, uh, any rich person and uh, beloved by Him. And so, uh, certainly each and every one of us, uh, whether we uh, are rich or poor, every one of us owes our very next breath uh, to God. And that's a humbling thing and important to remember. Third, and uh, this is the final one, the rich are never to use their wealth or power to take advantage of the poor. Using wealth to take advantage of uh, anyone who is comparatively less powerful than me as a result of, of wealth or more vulnerable as a result of that. And so here you come to kind of the, 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 uh, the end of the progression. And so uh, we will want people to, uh, to want to make sure uh, to notice if uh, any of us are somewhere on the progression. Thinking that I'm better than others because of my wealth, it leads to the mistreatment of others, uh, which then leads to one of the ugliest characteristics of self-entitlement in, 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 in the culture, and that is to then oppress them and to think I have a right to do that, to take advantage uh, of them. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31 He who oppresses the poor uh, reproaches his maker, but he who honors him, that is God, has mercy on the needy. And God reminds us that he takes uh, this kind of treatment of the poor, taking advantage of them in this way, that God takes it very, very personally. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, in doing that to others, we're doing it to God. And that's not a fight we want to get into with God uh, because that's not a fight we have any hope of, of winning. And so these are very needed exhortations. And of course, nobody knew that better, the, the, the mental and uh, the arrogance that can come with wealth as we see it all around us in the culture. Nobody knew this better than Solomon, the richest man in the world at that time. And, and better still, nobody knows the importance of these exhortations more, uh, more importantly than God himself. And so Solomon gives us this, uh, all of this financial counsel here this morning. I mean, it's been, okay, it's 51 minutes and 29 seconds. So let's see, at $350 an hour times one, two, three, All of it's free. This financial advisor of the Holy Spirit speaking these things into our life that will never ever uh, disappoint, uh, disappoint us. And so here he has, he has all of the wealth, more wealth than he could spend in 10 lifetimes. And so there's no string attached, there's no agenda uh, when he uh, lays out this counsel. And how much less uh, is there an agenda with God and speaking to us about this thing called money that everybody gets so uh, uptight about? He doesn't want our money that in, in the sense of that he needs it or he's trying to separate us from our money. He knows that this issue alone will determine in, the, in a great measure 
the quality of life for any human being, but even for a Christian, and how desperately we need the instruction. And so He gives it to us, and we're thankful for it. This morning, if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, one day all of the money, it'll all be gone, whether it's two quarters in our front pocket of our jeans when we die, or whether it's unbelievable wealth and invested all around uh, the world. There comes a moment in which none of that is going to matter. The only thing that's going to matter is when I stand before God, if I put my faith in His Son for the forgiveness of my sins, that I might enter into a personal relationship with God and Jesus' righteousness is put to my account. That's all that is going to matter. You think about the amount of time that in, in, in thought that is put into a person's finances in our culture, and yet how little thought, comparatively speaking, is put into eternity and that future moment in each one of our lives. And if you've never trusted in Christ, and been born again. There are going to be pastors and other men and women up in front immediately after the service. They'd love to answer your questions and pray with you to begin that relationship with God this morning. If you need prayer for anything this morning, they'd love to pray with you and for you as well. Let's stand together now, and we'll close in prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for all of these things that we just divide between the sacred and the secular in life, and yet all of it is all mixed together. It all affects our lives, and, and it affects the quality of life, the abundant life that You have for us. And, and we thank You for this instruction. We pray that as is needed, that whatever we've looked at this morning in this regard, uh, that is, was you speaking to any of us individually uh, that was an uh-oh moment in heading uh, through all of this, that this conversation that you've begun in our hearts related to wealth, that that would continue through the day until every area of our life is brought in line with your wonderful word. And we pray for this work of your Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.